Uh, we always start out the show with um, a little... Um, well, I'll have to edit that because that's not how we start this out. Um, All right! Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 28. I'm Adam Chance, broadcasting from the deep, deep south of the United States in a little state called Mississippi. And with me always is Richard and Roy. Good evening, everyone. This is Rich coming from the middlest middle part of the country in a middle-sized state of Missouri. Hey, howdy, hey. This is Roy from uh, West Michigan, the north. Right up, right up there on the wall. Yep. Right. Yep. Roy's people are are, are you uh, are you northerners from across the wall? Are you, you going to side up with those Canadians when they come south to sack us? But the the north of the wall people that's the Upers. Right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Upers are a different breed. They're coming, bringing right. their free health care and politeness. <laughs> so well, that'd be yeah. the- so we have a sponsor. This great guy from uh, AlterDementia.com, and he gave us a discount code for you to use for 3D printing. Up to, uh, I think it's 20% off on uh, whatever you want printed, and uh, yeah, you can look at it in the show notes for uh, Alter Dementia, but it's Alter3D-I-M-E-N-S-Y-A.com. You can see it in the show notes, there'll be a link there. And the discount code is COG2019. So by all means, go there, get some cool stuff, get it printed out, and save you some money. And after that, we always start out with what we're playing, and uh, Richard's going to tell us all about what he's been playing. Yeah, so the first couple games I've been playing are not uh, as interesting in the fact that I played them, but most interesting who I played with. Uh, Luckily enough, Roy made his way through the great town of St. Louis uh, last week, and we got to play a couple games together so we played ion the compound building game um i think roy didn't you talk about this one on a previous episode or was it the other one there was a one called covalence okay yeah so ion is made by the same designer that's why i was getting him confused he's actually got a lot of uh not just i guess probably mostly sciencey games but chemistry and biology and physics and stuff like that um and they're fun games they're familiar mechanics if you have played Sushi Go, you will know exactly how to play this game because it's, uh, you know, you've got some cards in your hand. You take one, try to build something with it, and pass the rest around. So um, it's got sort of like a, you know, toss salad of, uh, of point salad for the score at the end. And it's a fun game. It's a light game. Uh, I've played it with my kids before, and they enjoyed it. So, And then Roy and I also played a game called Railroad Inc., which he talked about on the last show, which is a... Uh, I really enjoyed it. I, I didn't see it on the shelf at Miniature Market, but I think I'd like to pick this one up. Um, it was in the game game library at Miniature Market, but not on the shelf that I saw. Um, but it's a game where you, you you roll some dice and you get symbols for roads and railroads and train stations, and you know they connect one corner of the die to the other, and you just have to write those symbols on your board and end up with some sort of transportation network at the end of 
I think it was seven rounds or something like that. And um, I enjoyed it quite a bit, but I will say that Roy and his wife are much better artists than me. But luckily, artistry doesn't come into the scoring at the end, so that didn't matter. Oh, you flatter. <laughs> Yours was much better looking than mine was. I think your wife is best, so. Hey, I want to point out that uh, this comes in two colors. This comes in red and blue. And the base game for each edition is the same. But the red comes with um, red dice. And the blue, of course, comes with blue dice, which you can add in. And I think you probably could mix them all together and have four different little additions to it. But the blazing red comes with what well, we decided it was meteors that would, that yeah. would strike and then volcanoes. Yeah, and it was, I think, floods and stuff like that. So it's yeah. basically disasters that can take away squares from you and hit your transportation network. Kind of like if you played SimCity or something, you know, when you get bored of building your perfect city, you can have dinosaurs attacked it or whatever. I don't remember. That type of thing. So that was Ion, the compound bidding game, and Railroad Inc., the red edition is what we played. And then another sciencey game I played, um, my daughter wanted to play this one with me. She picked it up at a homeschool convention, my nine-year-old. It was called Silent Science Ninjas Valence. And as you can tell from the name, it's another chemistry-type game. Um, and it was fun. It was, uh, it was a, yeah, a light card game. It played really quick. It was like, I don't know, probably 10 minutes or so, something like that. Um, but basically, you just um, you, you play these cards and... Um, similar to the ion game, you try to match up pluses and minuses and stuff like that and, and score your points that way. And we'll definitely play that again because it, it, it comes in a tiny little card box and it takes 10 minutes to play. So that's something that she and I will probably take with us when we need to kill some time and play a game. That one was called Science Ninjas of Valence. And then uh, my wife and I had uh, some friends over, a couple over, and we played Tuscany Essential Edition which is uh, the expansion for Viticulture, a Jamie Stegmeier game, or Stonemeyer company, Jamie Stegmeier is the designer. Um, Viticulture I've played before. This is the first time I've played the Tuscany expansion. Um, and Tuscany is really, it's like three expansions in one. Um, the first expansion is, is just sort of an expanded board. And then you flip, flip that board over, you get a further expanded board with extra structures. And then the, there's also a deck of cards in there where you can have I think they're called specialty workers. I didn't play the last two expansions. We just played with the expanded board. Um, and right off the bat, the biggest difference is it gives you an extra season. Um, whereas in the regular game, it's just a three-season game. This one makes it a four-season game. So obviously more choices and stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of fun. Have you guys played Viticulture before? I have not. It's, uh, two or three times. Okay. It's a worker placement game, so, you know, you've got things your people need to do. You start out with only three workers, or one person can get a fourth depending if they go last. Um, but those three workers have to last you for the whole year. So, especially in that first year before you start getting some extra workers, it's pretty brutal. But then by the end, I think we all had our workers maxed out. And by that point, it's almost like, yeah, I got this extra worker, and I don't even know what to do with them. So I'll just take a coin or something. I'm sure there's a a sweet spot in there where you have the right number of workers and it's not costing you extra actions, but I didn't find it. I actually, uh, my friend and I, we actually tied for the lead at the end and he won on the tiebreaker, which was number of gold coins. And then I played advanced squad leader, uh, the full advanced squad leader this time with my friend Bruce. 
uh, we and I, he and I have been going through uh, starter kits. We made it all the way through starter kit one, started on starter kit two, and then he just said, hey, when we play this week, do you want to add in a couple full rules? Because I had told him about, you know, snipers and concealment, which are probably the two biggest changes between starter kit and full ISL. And I sort of misunderstood him. I thought he wanted to actually play full ISL. So I think I, you know, he was asking for a drop of water, and I think I dumped a bucket on him. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> it was a lot of fun. He, he, he still had fun, and I had fun because it was full ASL, but I think we'll probably go back to start and get to for our next session. We played the very first uh, ASL uh, scenario, ASL 1, Fighting Withdrawal, where the Finns are basically just trying to move across the board, and the Russians are trying to delay them and shoot them and also move across the board the same direction. Um, it's fun because there's there's buildings on fire and there's, you know, um, that's probably the, the biggest thing about that scenario. But then you do just get the full ASL with concealment and deciding when to break your concealment and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, event squad leader, I will always play that anytime I get the chance and I got the chance to play that. And then on my table right now is a game called D-Day at Peleliu, uh, which is, um, I think it's by Compass Games. Um, maybe decision game. Let me check that. This is the part where I live Google things. Usually it's Adam that does that. <laughs> that's yeah, very that's true. It's part of a whole series. Um, they're called the D-Day at series. There's Omaha and Tarawa and I don't know. There's another one. I don't, Pelleview is the only one that I have. Um, but honestly, it, it, in my opinion, this is pretty much the perfect solitaire war game. I mean, it's it's hex encounter. It's got hidden enemy units. Uh, it's not it's not dice based. It's all card based. Every card has three sections on it. Depending on what you're asking it to tell you, it it will draw something different. But you know, the enemies reinf because of the rules that he has set up for what happens when you draw a card. The reinforcement makes sense. The counterattack. They patrol and disrupt your guys. is a brutally hard game. I mean, it's just so so hard. And it's interesting because a lot of people actually complain that the game's too hard. I mean, I've played it, oh, four or five times, and I, I've never even come close to winning. And other people, if you look on the forums, they're like, yeah, I played this game 25 times. I just won my first game. And some people really hate that. Um, I don't mind because it's a solitaire game. If I was playing against another person, I lost 25 times in a row. It might bug me, but solitaire, it's fine because I'm enjoying it the whole way. At least with this case, I am. Um one thing I thought was interesting, though, is apparently the victory conditions for the game were based on the initial estimates for how long they thought it was going to take the Marines to take that island. And then the Marines that took the island suffered something like 70% casualties. And they did take it, but it took them a lot longer. So the victory conditions are basically, can you do what they thought they were going to do, not what they actually did? So um, it's called D-Day at Peleliu. It's not... It's not easy to find. I'm sure you can find a used copy somewhere. I know at Miniature Market it's not on the shelves right now, but um, some of the some of the other games in that series are are probably just as good. I don't know. I haven't played them, but D-Day at Pillow is just just a great great solitaire war game. Yeah, that's one that would be uh, on my list to uh, try if I wanted to do a solitaire game. Yeah, if I was going to get another one in the series, I would get Omaha just because you know it's. it's it's D-Day, it's Normandy, it's, you know, it's the famous one. Um, but 
it, it wouldn't be because I was missing something from Pillory. It was just because I thought it would be interesting to see it in another theater. All right, Roy, what have you been playing? <laughs> You're not going to say it? Come on. Oh, yeah, I could. You, Roy has been playing Celtus Das Kartenspiel. There you go. All right. You get, you get a point. So uh, this is the translation there is Celtus the card game. So there is a game called Celtus, which uh, I believe uh, Reiner Kinesia is a, uh, the designer of all of these. So there's yeah, a game. He's, he's my favorite member of the, of the Wu-Tang Clan. Is he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so um, there's a game called Lost City, which is a two-player. It's a great little two-player uh, card game. Are they familiar with that? I have heard it. I haven't played it. Okay. Don't know that one. So there's, there's, um, there's Lost Cities. There's Lost Cities, the board game. There's Celtus, the board game, and now there's Celtus, the card game. So it's they're all kind of interrelated. The mechanics are this, kind of the same, where you're playing cards out of your hand, and you can only go up, or well, in the case of Celtus, go up or down uh, numerically. So if you put down a zero. Uh, and then you put down a one, you can't put down another zero. So you have to go numerically in order, and you only have a hand of five cards, and there's five different suits that you're building up or down in uh, in the game. And so you play a card, you draw a card. And so, like, you look at, well, I have I have a zero and an eight in my hand for in green. So, like, I can put the zero down, but I want to. I want to wait to see if I can find something to fill in in between there, between the zero and the eight, um, so that I can then put that down. And then if you start uh, lining up a suit, you have to. You're at minus points. So like, if you lay down one card, you're automatically at minus four. And then as you lay down other cards, you get to positive numbers, and then you can get points at the end. Um, so Lost Cities is, is very much the same sort of uh, uh, mechanic. And, um, yeah, they're all kind of interrelated. But we decided we kind of liked this little Celtus game. Uh, it would be kind of, uh, Rich, what you'd call a cafe game. Um, so Celtus Das Kartenspiel, which is one of the games that they had in the library there at Miniature Market. So we played that there. Okay, cool. And then... Uh, Aforementioned, we played uh, Ion and Railroad Inc. Red with Rich um, and uh, had fun there. So um, played both of those. And uh, then I'm going to talk about this a little bit later. We stopped at a game store in Little Rock, Arkansas and played some games there. So I think this is going to be kind of a thing for us now that when we go, you know, traveling, we'll, we'll stop and check out the local game stores. Um, yeah, doing that i went to columbia missouri for a couple weeks for work a couple years ago and i made it i made it a a quest of mine to check out the local game stores yeah so there we played in from their library we played a game called kilt castle which i did not really care for i mean it was the it looked interesting um it's a five by five gridded board and there's cards around the outside and if you pick up a card from a spot you can move it in a clockwise manner to the next available spot. And then whatever uh, icon is on that card, you compel the builder 
or the, the owner of that color to build a castle somewhere on that row where the card goes. And so um, it's a game of can I get my castles where I need them to be and can I compel my opponent to build castles where they don't want to put them? Um, it's, it's kind of a cerebral game as far as, as far as when you're moving these cards around. Like, well, where are they going to put it? They, they have this option, and if they go here, then it's going to cost them uh, some money to build there. And so it's a game of, of just essentially gathering income and having the tallest castle. Uh, so once you move, when you move a card, if you create an empty space, then that makes a payday. And you look at the board and you say, okay, this is my biggest region, and I have seven castles here, and one of them has a, a seal on it, so that'll get me eight uh, coins. And so basically it's an amassing of wealth uh, and until the end of the game. And then once, every, once one player is out of castles, then the game's over. So uh, that was Kilt Castle is what I played. And then I played a game called Zero Down, which is a little card game where you have, if you can have a set of five black cards or five of any color or five threes or whatever, that counts as zero. So the, the notion of the game is that you trade cards back and forth until you, you kind of at a point where you're, um, you think you're good enough. And then you say, you knock and say, okay, well, this is the last turn because I'm confident in what I have. And then you lay down your cards, and it's a um, um, basically the the first person to a hundred points loses. So that was zero down. And then finally, I played a game of the Enchanted Tower. This is a game I had not seen before. This is a kids' game, and it's a kind of semi-co-op. There is a castle, a little plastic castle, that the princess you lock into place and and put there and then there is a, a series of keyholes around the outside of the of the castle and there's a metal key that will um free the princess so the wizard or the sorcerer takes the key and he hides it somewhere in the forest and so all these uh the there's robin is one side and then the sorcerer is the other side and um they each have a little uh like a rare earth magnet on the bottom of them, and the key is metal. So on the board, you lift up these spots and you stick the key in there and then cover it back up. And there's a, there's some dice rolling that happens and Robin moves and the sorcerer moves and they're both racing to get the key. And once they get to the key, then they can try to unlock and free the princess. Um, and it's, it's pretty cute and it's pretty simple too. But this is a game I not or a game and a company I've not heard of before. It's a German company, um, and I cannot recall what their magic spiel. It's a German company. So anyway, the Enchanted Castle or Enchanted Tower, excuse me, uh, I thought was a great game for kids. Yeah, it looks like it has some really cool um, production on it. You know, it looks like a really neat board and it's all bright and colorful and yeah i do think it's kind of rude to trap a princess in a tower and then hide the key but that's just me it's very 14th yeah. yes so uh once somebody 
has the key, then they can try to unlock the princess. And if you get the wrong uh, keyhole, then the sorcerer hides the the key in a different spot. And so if you see at the bottom of the board, there's the round thing that goes along the edge of the box. That kind of gives the uh, gives Robin a little bit of a head start because this, the sorcerer has to go through eight spaces just getting to the forest. Um, so Robin gets a little bit of chance to run around and try to find the key before uh, the sorcerer comes on the scene. So, yeah. And so uh, the reason I was in St. Louis is because I was on my way to um, Hot Springs, Arkansas uh, for uh, my spring break. So um, I played, you know, kind of your typical spring break kind of games. Um, I played Five Crowns, which is a family board or a card game where you're, it's, it's essentially it's rummy, uh, but with five suits. Um, and then uh, I played Ratatat Cat, which is a game right game. And my wife said, well, this is essentially golf, which I've never played golf. You have four cards that are face down. You can look at the two on the outside, and then you draw a card and try to get the lowest hand. So, like, you have no idea what the two in the middle are. So, like, if you draw a three card, well, three's pretty good. So I'll put that in the middle, and if I flip it up and it's a one or a zero, well, I'm I'm gone back. Well, at least I know what's in the middle there. Um, so Ratatat Cat. And then uh, also at this game store in Little Rock, um, I played a game called Illusion, which is, there's a game called Timeline. Have either of you played that? No. I have. I actually bought a copy and uh, left it in my Uber <laughs> oh, no. uh, a, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, yes, so, I really dug that game. Yeah, this is a game. Illusion or uh, timeline is a game with date. So, like the one side of the card will say the invention of the blender. Well, was that before or after the invention of fire? Well, of course, it's after. And then you get to questions like uh, the invention of the telephone. When was that? And then you, well, does it fit in between there? Well, sure it does. And then you, sometimes you get to things which are really sketchy, like um, uh, the invention of Braille. Well, who the heck can tell you when Braille was was uh, was invented? Um, this is true. So you're you basically you have to lay down all the cards from. Uh, from earliest to latest uh, in a line. And if you get it wrong, then your opponent can challenge and, and then you, you know, you lose a point. So that brings me to illusion. This is a game with colors. There's four colors and um, you flip the card and it'll say, which one has the least blue? So you, you, you start with one card it has some blue on it. And then you flip the other card and you say, well, does this have more blue or less blue than that? And they're all different patterns and shapes. Some of them have uh, numbers and words. And you're just basically you're looking at how much of one color there is. And you have to put it in order. And then on the back of the card, it gives a percentage of each, um, of each picture as far as what color they are. So... That's uh, that's tricky because some of them, like it's between 6% and 7%. Well, 
well, how would you ever know? Um, especially if the shapes are different, you just kind of have to, with your eyes, measure it off. So that was illusion. Yeah, I've heard about this game before. I I didn't know the name of it, but I've heard about this game where you had to guess the percentages, and it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. So uh, that's most of what I've been playing. I probably some things got missed, probably. Rummy Cube. I played Rummy Cube too. Rummy Cube. Yeah. <laughs> it plays like Rummy. Yeah, it's, that's what the tiles. So it's. Uh, one to 13 in four suits, and then there's two jokers. And you draw 14 tiles, and you lay down rum, runs and sets, and then you can move the tiles around, and basically the first person out on their rack uh, wins that hand, and the other person gets set for however many points they have. So, hmm. okay. <clears throat> that's a mass market game. It's been around quite a while. So, All right. Adam? Uh, I have gotten to play nothing, really, which, I, you know, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit because it's kind of inspired me to do something. I got to hang out at my game store for, like, a long time the other day, and this is, like, really, really rare. And it was it's really weird, like, when you just kind of unexpectedly need to kill time. So you go by your game store, so... You now have the time to play something, but, you know, you don't have anything with you. You haven't arranged anything with anybody or whatever. So so all kinds of people walk in, and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're here, you know? You know, and we, we talk about the new X-Wing stuff or, and this and that, and they always end it with, well, when are you going to come out and play? And, uh, and I always have to just kind of, like, beg off, like, with just say like well you know it's it's my schedule it's you know blah 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 i just don't have the time or whatever but that's not the truth you know it's the the truth is is i have issues with anxiety and depression and it's kind of hard for me to get out if i'm like in a downswing or or something you know and it's i've gotten where i don't want to schedule anything because i'm afraid that i'll have to cancel and then i'll just seem like a flake and i i don't want that so what i have thought about doing is i actually think i'm gonna do a little youtube series uh where i just kind of just talk about that just like you know just kind of the mental illness and gaming and whatnot and try to make it as comical as i can so yeah, I, I think I think I'm gonna do that. But yeah, it's just I'm just going through a bunch of stuff, and I just haven't you know haven't got out. I mean, it it sucks because like I'll go like three four weeks in a, in a row of going regularly to like X Wing night or whatever, and then I just disappear for like a month and a half, and then just kind of sporadically go. But I haven't actually sat down and played anything. Uh, in a while, I think. Uh, well, I think a couple weeks ago, I did uh, play at my friend Chris's house. We played um, the CCI uh, magazine game Gettysburg, and that's about it. Oh, the one that just came out. Uh, yeah, it was the magazine yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we played that, and that was about it. But you know, other than that, uh, yeah. So yeah, I think I'm gonna do some stuff with YouTube. I know I got a green screen and some other stuff in 
Uh, I bought a bunch of finger puppets, too, in a finger puppet theater. So I thought about doing, like, a, um... <laughs> something ridiculously stupid, like, where, um... You know, you do, like, uh, the tale of, um... In the village, where the little uh, kangaroo guy is trying to get you to buy his bread, but nobody can afford to buy the to uh, support him and buy his bread because they're all too busy um, buying uh, Jack Stevenson's bread, even though Jack Stevenson could uh, afford to not make people pre-order his bread. I don't know. It's a work in progress. <laughs> you get you get what I mean. So anyway, I'm I'm gonna do that. It'll be very sad. There'll be, like, kangaroos starving to death, and, yeah, it'll be a whole thing. It's total Shakespearean quality, I, I swear. It, it will be it. Children will be performing this in 100 years, having to learn it in high school. <laughs> anyway. Of, of kangaroo poison? Yes, yes. Well, he just, kangaroo starves to death because no one uh, pre-ordered his bread, so. <laughs> or, or maybe he doesn't starve to death. Maybe he turns to a life of crime. And, like, kills a bunch of people. And, yeah, oh, yeah. i got to write all this down. Excuse me. <laughs> so, um, we get to the point in the podcast where we talk about what's on your radar, which is just something we've discovered or thought about, not necessarily something new. And Richard is very interested in the Here I Stand 500th Anniversary Edition. I mean, it's hard to believe the original version of that game came out 500 years ago. But, hey. Right. Yeah, most people don't realize that, but Luther actually wasn't trying to reform the Catholic Church. He was just trying to develop the greatest historical strategy game of all time. And uh, who's? Uh, it's hard to believe that uh, what's-his-name over at GMT is that old. He could be a vampire. <laughs> you talking about Gene? <laughs> yeah, Gene could be a vampire. Gene has been around that long. He helped. Uh, he, he edited the first rule book for Here I Stand, yeah. No, uh... <laughs> Yeah, the only reason I have 500th anniversary is just because that's the copy that I have. But we've got, I've got uh, five people coming over in a couple weeks to play Here I Stand. Um, we try to play, I haven't been able to do the last few months, but in addition to our, our monthly gaming day, we try to have a second day every month where we play something big. And it's almost always been either Twilight Imperium or Here I Stand. We did play a few other things. We played Civilization. We played Spearhead. Um but we haven't played Here I Stand in a while, so I wanted to get that back out again, and I am just looking forward to it because um, I've had some, I've had a couple online games going of Here I Stand, and those are fun. Um, but there's there's nothing like sitting down six people at a table and playing Here I Stand for a day. So looking forward you to it. You have to look them in the eye as you crush their uh, their yeah, strategy. You absolutely do. So, and I'm playing England, who I've never played England before. So we'll see how that goes. If you have any uh, strategy hints for England, let me know. I intend to invade Scotland and pick a war with France. So it's going to be a replay of actual history then? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, <laughs> I guess we'll see how it goes. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've never played England before. England is, um, it seems like I usually end up playing either the papacy or the Protestants, who are obviously pretty single-focused on the religious struggle in the game. England is, I want to say they might be the only faction that does colonization, regular land warfare, and religious struggle. It does all three major parts of the game. England has a part in them, so it'll be fun. 
And uh, we have the My Little Pony RPG on here. Hey, that's me. So um, when I was at Miniature Market, I found a, um, a module for My Little Pony Tales of Equestria that I've been meaning to play with my 10-year-old. Um, and then when I was at this other game store that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, I found another one. So I think we're all geared up to play some My Little Pony. So that's uh, probably this coming Friday we're going to going to bust that out and see how that goes. So, so Roy, when you play with her an RPG, do you play just the two of you, or do you play with her friends, or who do you, how do you do that? Well, I think we're probably going to play it a Friday game night, and we're going to open that up to um, to you know various grown-ups, too, plus oh. some kids. So it's going to be kind of a mixed bag of, of people. We'll see who bites on it. Now, but, I Robin, actually... I was going to yeah. say, I actually have experience playing that game. Oh, really? Okay. I, yeah, I played it at a uh, free RPG day um, a couple years ago. And it was just me and a bunch of other people around my age, you know, although I'm older. They're probably younger. Uh, but mostly older adults playing it. And we had a blast with it. We, we really did. And, mm-hmm. like, it's really simple to play i mean and just sometimes you just want to you don't want to like metagame you just want to sit back and just have fun and that game really allowed you to have like a lot of fun you know because you were just trying to solve you know a problem you know you weren't trying to like you know kill anything or rescue you know or whatever you know so it was just a lot of fun i got it for my kids but i think by the time the game was released and i got it my kids are a little too old for it uh, they actually, some of them play actual D&D now, but, but yeah, I thought it was cute and, uh, a lot of fun, but, uh, yeah, if you have especially younger kids, they'll absolutely love it, especially if they like the game, so. So, there are, um, for each class, or for each PC, there are three stats. There's mind, body, and charm. And, um, then there's stamina, which essentially is your hit points. So the the way the mechanics work is that like um, it's based on dice. So a D4 is the weakest, all the way up to a D20. And so just like D and D, you have dif- difficulty classes. So like um, you know to break down the door is a DC of five. Well, with, you can't roll that on a D4. So you have to get uh, pony with a d6 in body to kind of take a crack at it and it'd even be better if it was a d8 um, and then the dice explodes so if you roll a d4 and get a four then you can roll the next higher die and you can never lose you can never go under what you rolled originally um, so yeah it's a very simple uh, mechanic and even scuffles is what they call it instead of fights um it's basically just opposed body rolls, and whoever wins that uh, does damage to the other, takes points off of their stamina. And once you lose all your stamina, then you're knocked out, and then, uh, you know, the, the, the story goes on. So it's very light as far as the mechanics. Like, there's no movement mechanic or anything. Um, and even, like, armor, if you're wearing armor, then it just takes a point off of how much you lose, and you lose a little bit less. So anyway, we're, I'm I'm excited to give it a go. All right, and then we have fun. Star we have Star Wars Legion on here. Yep. Well, before that, it's, uh, I uh, 
I've decided I, I really want to make a terrain board. And I remember I talked about this in January, that that was kind of one of my goals for the year. And I was kind of noodling in my head about how to do it. And I think I've got a, uh, a modular board. So it ended up being a four by six board that would class, collapse into three pieces um, so that I could transport it to my FLGS to set up for playing uh, Star Wars Legion, which uh, I'm, I'm, I'm re-energized to, to paint some more legion so that's yeah. also i did some painting this week i painted up my all my fleet troopers and i painted up jen urso so i still need to i still haven't played in in a few months and i was going to play uh i guess friday night but it fell through and still still trying to get some games i'm seriously thinking about trying to find some people on tabletop simulator oh okay yeah I'd be down for that. Yeah. Okay. I know, uh, well, I'll get to Legion in just a second. Uh, Roy, I actually have a good bit of experience uh, building just the actual boards themselves. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite stories I like to tell was I went to Home Depot, because I'm going to call them out regularly, you know. I went to Home Depot and the first thing you want is the actual board, you know, to, to place terrain, miniatures, and whatnot on there. So mm-hmm. you go in there, and they're usually what you're looking for, be it MDF, particle, you know, whatever you're looking for, is sold in a 4 by 8 sheet. Okay? So mm-hmm. I grab one, and, you know, and they'll make the cuts for you right there in the store. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> up to a certain point, you know, I think you get like two cuts free or whatever, then they start charging you or something like that. Anyway, so <clears throat> I take it to the little cutting station and I get the guy and I'm like, okay, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm like, I need this uh, cut down to uh, four by six. So it's four by eight, four by, you know, I just mm-hmm. need two feet of it cut off. So he throws it on the thing and immediately starts measuring it, and he measures one foot on one side and starts to cut. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. I, I want it to be um, four by six, and you're just cutting a foot off over there. And he's like, yeah, don't you want it to be even? <laughs> like, no, no, buddy, you can just chop two off on one side, and it'll, it'll still be six feet. I promise you. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, I learned a good bit about, like, um, texturing and flocking and stuff like that. And actually, uh, my local gaming store, since they bought it from the terrible person who had it before them, uh, they inherited two boards I left there. And uh, it was weird seeing them uh, the other day that they're still we're still playing on them. Gosh, this is like 11 years later. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've tried my hand like making terrain and stuff like that. I just can't paint. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, making terrain is is really neat. There's a lot of stuff you can do, um, and I highly recommend. Uh, there's a guy on YouTube who's like the terrain guy. Uh, I think that's his name. Is I'm gonna double check, but yeah, he um, the terrain tutor. That's who it is, and I'll have this linked in the show notes. I've made a good bit of uh, stuff by him, and essentially um, the last thing was some scatter terrain for Blood and Plunder. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's the Terrain Tutor. 
I, I highly recommend him. It's he, he has a whole thing on cheap and easy stuff, uh, different techniques for all kinds of stuff like pouring resin and weathering and all this cool stuff. But yeah, this guy's really cool. So there's a guy that go. works with styrene a lot, like like styrene sheets. Yeah. Like styrene is that the same guy? I uh, I know he does. I know he I know he does does do some stuff in there. Which uh, you get like what do they call those things? The it's a hot wire. It's a, yeah. a styrofoam cutter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and another thing I learned like back in like high school, you cannot you have to use something spe- a specific kind of paint to base coat uh, styrofoam because oh, like no. whatever the chemical accelerant in a can of spray paint eats it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, so when I was a kid, my brother and I. We weren't, I mean, there was no rules or anything, but we played basically little war games, the G.I. Joe guys. And we would just grab like any styrofoam insert that came from the microwave or the computer. Oh, yeah. And we would dribble uh, airplane glue on it and it would dissolve it and make it look like ruins or rubble. Yeah. So there's, in in finishing, there's a a technique called fly specking, which a fly speck is essentially fly shit. It's on cabinetry. But so, like, if you take a brush and dip it into some stain, you can kind of um, flick the brushes or flick the bristles and get little tiny dots of stain onto your cabinet. Well, I did the same thing with some styrene and some acetone, and I kind of did that kind of that cratering look too. So I've done a little bit of a little bit of that with uh, building kind of a, a ruined temple kind of thing. So. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to building something. All right, cool. And uh, Legion on here, it's there's a guy at my uh, local shop that has started firing it up. Uh, do it. He actually, you know, read the rule book and has started, you know, doing demos of it. So I really dig that. Although it kind of scares like some of the other X Wing guys. Because the, the way they look at it is like, oh, you know, it, well, if this takes off, that'll be less people playing X-Wing. And so we already ha- only have like, you know, eight or ten guys. And so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I heard that a lot when it got announced. But I certainly haven't seen X-Wing fall off at all. And X-Wing 2 is doing at least as well as X-Wing 1 ever did. So I wouldn't worry about that if I were an X-Wing guy. And I do like X-Wing. I, if I had a choice, if I could only play one or two, I'd rather play Legion. But I play more X-Wing just because there's more people playing X-Wing. Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the thing is, like, they'll always be... You should be able to find a game of that in anywhere. Yeah. You know? All right, Roy's going to tell us all about Game Goblins in Little Rock, Arkansas. So, in my travels, I've decided this is going to be a, a thing. that I'm just going to review game stores. So, I've been teasing this place. This is called Game Goblins in Little Rock, Arkansas. And so I was there on a Friday afternoon, and there were a couple of guys working, and there were a few people that had come in to play. And as we uh, spent the afternoon there, it got to be, there was a fair amount of people there, and it was very casual. It's a lovely store um, with a big, apparently there's a big magic scene there. Um, I guess probably like like every store. Um, but uh, they have a gigantic uh play area and a free game library 
and everybody there was super friendly. And there was a guy that had come in and was uh, going to sell some Pokemon cards that he had. And so I was talking to the uh, to the cashier, saying, "Hey, you know, I'm I'm with Chance of Gaming, and um, and I know you've heard of me, <laughs> and uh, I'd like to do a little <laughs> review of the store." And so. Um, this guy that was selling Pokemon cards said that he lives on the north side of town and there's a store that's near him and he doesn't go there. He comes to this place that's on the south side of town um, because everybody's so great and friendly and everything. Um, very clean and everything. Um, one thing I thought was cool is they had lockers that you could rent. So they were like half size lockers that maybe they had gotten, um, you know, at surplus or something. And so you could rent by the month or by the year, bring your own padlock, and you had a place to store your stuff at the store. So, like, all of your your uh, uh, magic cards or your 40K army or whatever uh, just had a little locker there for people to use, which I thought was awesome. I'd never thought of doing something like that. Um, and uh, But they had a very good selection of miniature supplies. So... Rich, you had talked about the army painter um, thing before with the uh -huh. kind of walk in and paint. Yeah. And then dip it. Yeah. They, they had that for sale there. Really? Uh, yeah. And uh, they have, they host uh, uh, game day camps. So like day camps, you can uh -huh. come and play D&D, sign up for it. And, and they, you know, they'll watch your kid over, the course of two or three hours during the summer and play D and D or play magic or whatever. Um, very nice tables for war gaming. They had, everyone had a neoprene mat with different terrain and a big library of terrain to use to play. Um, so game goblins with little rock, Arkansas, if you're in the area, check it out. Sounds I, cool. I, it sounds a, a lot like what, um, my local store wants to do. Mm -hmm. uh, they started a Pokemon camp last year for uh, the summer, and it was a really big thing. And I think they're doing a D&D &D camp, too, as well. I mean, it costs, like, uh, it's like a couple of hundred bucks, but your kid gets, like, baby gets babysat, food, you know, all this stuff, plus merchandise uh, at the end of it. And I think it goes over a couple of weeks. So I really think that's a cool idea. Yeah. Yeah, it was a nifty place. All right, that brings us to our brave little giveaway. Our brave little toaster giveaway that we're having. Dadgummit, yeah, I should send out a consolation prize of brave little toaster on VHS, but it's probably expensive. I do I do like the photoshops people did, and yeah. And the, the fact that a lot of these guys that were laughing about it had never actually seen the movie and so they go read the synopsis and they said they're like oh my god that sounds incredibly dark i'm like look i saw it as a kid it was dark it was scary as hell you know because it's like well which one's committing the atrocities it's like oh that would be the junkyard grabber guy you know and ugh. Yeah. anyway cartoon movies when we were little were very different brave little toaster and iron giant and they were much darker than they are now <laughs> Secret of Nim, you know, that was, like, really oh, dark. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, th uh, that should not be for kids, period. It, <laughs> just because it's animated doesn't mean it's for kids. Um, gosh, there was that. I mean, never-ending story, you know, when the daggum horse well, died. Idea. 
<laughs> you know, that was just back in the yeah. day. This gosh, this had to be more than ten years ago. But I was uh, I was on the Something Awful forums back then, and they're still around, but they're not as popular as they were. I think you know Reddit's the big deal now. But they had uh, basically like an AMA, and the guy said that he was the the guy that played Atreus. Was that his name? And he had this whole big long story about how the <laughs> the horse actually died in the mud and everything. It went on and on and on. It was hilarious, and people were getting so upset until they finally realized that he was just, you know, yeah, get everyone's chain. <laughs> so this brings us to uh, drawing for the winner, which we did in the uh, <clears throat> the pre-show, and uh, we we went to thanks to um, Richard. Let me discover uh, what was it? Random dot org. Random dot org. There you go. Yes, where you can put in a number, and in this one, we had 18 uh, entries into this particular contest. People really excited, really wanted it, and uh, it looks like we, we did one win. Number 17. Yay, number, 17. He was no, number 17, Tom Walker. 17, please bring it to the counter. Yes. Tom Walker, that's who won. And uh, before the show, I emailed him asking him what his address is. So hopefully he'll email me back. And yeah, if not, I guess we could draw again. But I don't know, because he could have met an unfortunate demise in the month it took us to give this away. But I don't know. Well, congratulations, Tom. And if anyone out there wants to play Brave Little Belgium, uh, I think they just released a Vassal module for it. So hit me up. I'll play it with you on Vassal. Cool. So that brings us to news, and uh, the first thing we have, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the Chinese government burned a bunch of copies of the Call of Cthulhu supplement. So it kind of reminds me a lot of um, the guy who owned the distribution site that burned the uh, She Bleeds from um, Lamentations of the Flame Princess. Yeah. But... What this one was, was the Sassoon Files, which is a collection of Cthulhu mythos scenarios and campaign resources set in 1920s Shanghai, both for Call of Cthulhu and the Gumshoe Systems. It was kickstarted in 2018, raised 24 grand, 500 backers. The volume was due to ship from the printers very shortly. As a result of this recent turn of events, the publishers have released a video statement. And we'll have this linked in uh, the show notes. So, <clears throat> what I can get from this uh, is that um, it's the government. This was just a printer that wanted to get this done, you know, because everything's done in China nowadays. And the government stepped in, burned all these, and uh, there you go. So, they're going to have to get like a new uh printer i guess i guess they could get it done in taiwan haha uh or somewhere done i know you can actually get this as we speak uh on drive through rpg it's 20 bucks for a pdf and uh yeah so i don't know what 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 do the people that kickstarted this you know uh, will they get their copy i guess I'll i'm assuming another printer and hopefully the publisher won't come back to them and say Hey, sorry, it's going to be more expensive to print this in California, so I'm going to need ten bucks from everybody. Yeah, I hope, yeah. that's what's going to. I wouldn't. Well, and one would. I wouldn't imagine, but 
if the Chinese government would reimburse the, the <laughs> maybe not. I don't know. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I get. I guess the reality is the the printer just has to eat it. You know, they can't be paid for something and then not deliver it. Right. So, you know, so there you go. But uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the first one I on me. I've I've never heard of that of the actual government censoring something. Now I can understand if it was going to be released in China. Sure, yeah, you know they'll step into that. But for something that's just going out in the rest of the world, that's just odd to me. So Cthulhu, Winnie the Pooh, and Gay Freddie Mercury are all banned in China. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So the next thing we had is WizKids are releasing uh, a dungeon tile line, which I think is pretty neat because, you know, it's a bigger company. They have the capacity to kind of do this for cheaper. Because I know, uh, you know, what what is the big one? Um, Dwarven Forge? Yeah. They're, they're really expensive, you know. But, I mean, it's really nice, but it, they're just kind of like, that's kind of an upscale thing. Whereas this one, the dungeon tile small box, you get 50 2 by 2 tiles plus doors, walls, blah, blah, blah. It's for 50 bucks, And then you get the medium is for 100 And that gives you an 8 by 8 floor tile, 75 2 by 2 and assorted other, what you call it, you know doors, clips, and all that stuff. That seems like a pretty good deal, and what I really like about it is they're reversible. They're stone on one side, and they are wooden on the other. So, uh, if these things are, um, they're pre-painted, so that's also great. So, I really think that's kind of a cool idea. Because, I, you know, I know a lot of people are heading over to, um, uh, um, various 3D printers uh, like Alter Dementia where you can get this stuff printed out and uh, are saving a ton of money that way. I mean, they're printing it, they're either printing it themselves or they're having it printed and then they're painting it themselves and they're saving a, a lot of money over like Dwarven Forge. So to have like a already painted, cleaned, um, etc., done that is very uh, accessible in dollar-wise. I think this is a really good idea, and it ought to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. I think so. So the the next thing we have is literally what 40 of you guys have emailed me and messaged me and texted me about. And uh, yes, I also get the GMT mails thing, but uh, GMT Games is removing scramble for africa they're pulling it off the um the p500 list and um there a lot 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 of people have been talking about this in the past few days i the official statement from them is that it is quote clear to me that the game is out of step with most euro game players want from us in terms of both topic and treatment. Over the past few weeks, we've heard from a growing number of gamers who had concerns about both about both in regards to Scramble for Africa. To those of you who took the time to share, blah, 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 and there you go. 
Uh, I mean, honestly, though, it's like, well, what kind of game is this? And you're like, well, it's a Euro game based on the European powers carving up Africa. I mean, just that statement alone, when you sound that out and speak it slowly, uh, that's pretty controversial. Because Europe did not carve out uh, very nicely. It was it was really, really horrible. And if you read one book, just one book on the subject, I highly recommend uh, King Leopold's Ghost. And I'll have that linked in the show notes. Uh, I It's an a- absolutely uh, am- amazing. It's about Belgians uh, destroying the Congo through colonial rule and all these atrocities and stuff they, they committed. So, you know, on one hand, you're like, wow, yeah, that is, that's pretty awful, you know, to, to make a game about that. But on the other hand, think about, like, all the other games that we actually game. I mean, uh, there were horrific stuff happening on the Eastern Front and just World War II in general. And uh, we still play those, you know. Um, yeah. World War One, etc. I mean, it was all it was horrific warfare. It, there was a ton of atrocities and, and all this stuff, but we still game that. And GMT has games where you explicitly take slaves. In Genesis, you do that. And I mean, Genesis is a game about nations that are three, four thousand years old. But granted, when you take a city in that game, you take slaves. And you use those slaves to build your monuments and such. And it's explicit. There's nothing hidden about it. I mean, you look at, we talked to, you know, uh, Tom from Hollandspiel Games and, uh, what was the one they had, the, the, the slavery one that they had was pretty controversial. But there's other games like, uh, um, Infamous Traffic is about, uh, drug dealing, I think, and the drug trade. So there are, there are games out there that treat historical atrocities as gaming fodder. I guess, from what I've gathered, just reading all the comments on Twitter, everything, I think where this really offended people is that it was just sort of a lighthearted Euro. And it wasn't really a historical game, even though it sort of had a historical context. And I think people... Oh, shit. It that that was, it was um, lighthearted? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's kind of what it was. From what I was reading and other pe- people... I don't think that many people have actually seen that much about this game, but in the last week it blew up on Twitter. I think it was almost like you could take this game and remove Africa and colonialism and just re-theme it, and it's a different game. You know what I mean? Okay, I got you. So, yeah, I guess maybe if something would actually treat it in the historical context, like I know in uh, Brave Little Belgium, you actually have to deal with, uh, what is it, German atrocities. German atrocities, right, yeah. You do too many, you lose the uh, game. Yeah, and oh, and, and infamous traffic is about the opium trade. Yeah. So, yeah, um, there's that. The slave trade game is called This Guilty Land, as I recall. Yes, this guilty land. Now, see, I expected a lot, lot of pushback on that when it came out, but there was nothing. You know, they were pretty straightforward, and, you know, they were like, this is it, and, you know, and everybody seemed to look at it and go, hmm, okay, well, this is very good, very, you know, done very well, and and then there you go. I I mean, I wonder if that was partially just because of the way Tom Russell handled it, and he did a lot of interviews with a lot of podcasts. And he just, he, he's very, 
I don't know what the word for it. It's not off-putting, very disarming in the way he talks about the game. So he, he did a good job of saying, hey, we're not glorifying it. We're just talking about something that happened in history. So Yeah. So do you think uh, what it would be I... doable uh, if they kind of made it a little bit more sensitive? I wonder, Pop. Um, you would have to make it historical, I think. And you And see, that's the thing, though the negatives that you would do, the atrocities you would commit in that game would only make you win. So, you know, I, it, I mean, that's yeah. that's what the Belgians were doing. They were, uh, like, you had... You, it was rubber there. It was like, you had to harvest all this rubber or I'm going to kill your children or cut their hands off or stuff like that, you know. So you're actually committing atrocities to increase your production in order to become a bigger colonial power. Yeah, and then so, uh, if, yeah. if you have native uprisings and such, well, you know what, now you've got machine guns and they've got spears, so you got to deal with that. Right. So, yeah, I, I mean, you could make it historical, yeah, you could gamify all that, but, you know, even then, it's, it's like you're going to have to commit bad things in order to, to win. I, I don't know. Uh, it's, but yeah, it's, I don't really know how you could gamify that in a respectful way, but I, I mean, I don't design games. You know, I, I don't. Um, I'm sure somebody's got a better idea than what they did. Who was um, actually the uh, author of Scramble for Af- Africa, Richard? Do you know? I do not know because, like I said, I never, I never heard a word about the game until about a week ago when everything blew up on Twitter. Right, me too. Uh, I didn't even know it was on there. Nope. And um, maybe it was Gene? Uh, I don't know. I really don't. Yeah, I was trying to find out who who was the uh, designer. Okay, as I live Google this, we go over to Board Game Geek. And it says Rob McCarter. I don't know who that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This this is this is this one's got to be it, and I'll link this in the show notes. Um, yeah, because it lists as unpublished. This guy did 1812, Age of Imperialism, Empires of Iron, Mexican War, and Scramble for Africa. So, yeah, okay. So, there you go. Yeah, he's on GMT, uh, he's on Board Game Geek as a user, too. So, alright, well, um, one of the, uh, my favorite tweets, though, that someone sent me is, and I'll link this in the show notes, too, is, quote, You'll hardly find a more oppressed group of people than the ones who can't buy Scramble for Africa now and weren't planning on it until yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> uh, you get you get a lot of that whole, um, you know, it's like, ah, oh, it's the social justice warriors or, you know, whatever. Ah, oh, they're coming over here to, you know, mess up, you know, our games. And I don't know, man, it's 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 a lot deeper than that. And which does also remind me of the 40k for grown-ups group uh, completely blew up uh, over something similar. Uh, I only know because people I know started commenting in it and I got notifications. But uh, yeah, there was they removed something and there was this all. Oh, it was um, an argument ensued, and one guy responded with, "Man, are you on the spectrum?" And that completely blew up as, like, you can't say that, and 
you know, that's like say calling me a retard. You can't do all this. And then the other side comes in. It's like, ah, well, it's freedom of speech and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't really go to gaming for those big, deep discussions and, and whatever. No, I, I don't, especially not 40K. I don't want to. I don't want to discuss that. I, I don't know. I just want to play the damn game. So anyway. So moving on, um, a guy I've been trying to interview for a couple of months now. He keeps ducking me. Um, essentially, this company called War Banner, the company that's putting out Mortal Gods that uh, we've talked about a couple of times, they were going to change their name. Um, they uh, they were going to become War Banner and put the, all their foot sore miniatures and all the whole company under that and apparently got a cease and desist from Games Workshop saying it was too close to Warhammer. So they were like, wow, that sucks. There's nothing we can do. Games Workshop's so big. So I guess we'll become Dark Peak Games. And I shit you not, they got a cease and desist from a, a video game company. Uh, something peak games. So now they they're like, uh, I guess we just may become just foot sore miniatures. Um, and yeah, go from there. I I don't know. I just feel so damn sorry for them trying to change their game multiple times and um, trying to change their name. And yeah, so they even got a graphic designer to make a logo for them and everything. I know. It's like, haha, here's our new game, and they're like, ah, no, here's cease and desist. What? Uh, I'd hate to have to deal with that. Especially when you get a cease and desist from a big company, too. Like, ah, what the hell are you going to do? Anyway, the next thing we have is the TX-225 Assault Tank for Legion. This thing is super nice. I really dig Rogue One anyway. And, uh, yeah, this is a really, really nice piece of kit. And we've previewed it before on the show, but now it's actually, it's got an official release and a date, and uh, it just looks freaking cool. Are you going to do Imperials, either one of you guys? No, I am doing Imperials. Um, I mean, I guess if I were going to pick a new faction at any point, I would probably pick one of the new factions when they come out, but no, nah, I'm not going to do Imperials. I have too much trouble stuff. I have Gungans. I want Gungans. <laughs> Yeah, I, I now I am very excited to do uh, both the clones and uh, droids. But yeah, Gungans would be totally awesome. I agree. So but, uh, like looks... Cargo is going to be separate, removable. And that doesn't appear that it's going to have it's a it's crates of kyber crystals. Um, that's not really. This doesn't seem like there's any kind of a, a mechanic there for those. For the, t- the, the yeah. things on the back. Yeah. I'm, That's what they they needed for the Death Star, right? Right. That's yeah. what they were yeah. They were mining everything around Jetta City. To okay. power up the weapon? I guess the only... Yeah, yeah. I guess the only thing that bothers me, um, and it, it's not a big deal, but when Legion first came out, I got a couple of T-47 airspeeders and figured out very quickly that they're overpriced and not very good units and now we've got these tanks that are coming out that are better than the t-47s and cheaper as well so <laughs> it's just i, I don't think this, i don't think my t-47s will ever ever get on uh game board again 
And that's a pretty common well, thing. That nobody likes a T-47. Is there, um, you suppose they'll, they'll roll out a kind of an upgrade for them? Makes you wonder. Um, I mean, they've talked about doing new pilots, but the, the biggest problem is just the cost. They're, I think they're, it's been a while, so, but I think they're like 175 points. And it looks like these tanks are only 155. So, and I, I trust me, they'll fit. They'll fix it in uh, Star Wars Legion Two. Yeah, absolutely. Second edition. The bases all be a quarter inch bigger, and you won't be able to use your old stuff. <laughs> well, they'll sell you an upgrade kit. <laughs> yeah, that makes it up for thirty bucks. I'll have to pull my guys off the bases. <laughs> so uh, the next thing we have is. Hunter's Entertainment is going to create an Altered Carbon RPG. And I was wondering if you guys actually watched Altered Carbon. I've never seen it. No, me either. Alright, it's uh, it's really cool, uh, in, in my opinion. It, it's based on um, a book that I own, but it, it's in my to-read pile by Richard K. Morgan called Altered Carbon. It's dystopian, uh, science fiction, cyberpunk kind of thing. And uh, I thought it was, like, really, really, really good. Uh, But, you know, I just wanted to comment on, like, it's a little violent and a lot of nudity. (laughs) I was kind of taken aback by the staggering amount of nudity in um, in the show. So there's bits and bobs flopping all around. People are butt naked and they're like fighting and yeah and yeah it's it's a thing. But maybe I will have. I, I <laughs> yeah yeah just go ahead and fire it up right you know as soon as we're done you know it's yep. yeah right. it's cool it's cool but yeah I mean I thought it was pretty original pretty cool and uh, yeah so I liked it and I just wanted to see if you guys had actually watched the show. I highly uh, recommend it, and it's actually coming back for a season two. Uh, one of the key things about it is um, you can upload your consciousness, essentially, So, and you can just have your own body like created, like a clone body or somebody else's body or like a cloned body with various power-ups and stuff in it. They're called like uh, sleeves, and so you just put in your consciousness in it and go. So essentially rich people live forever because they're, they can afford to be constantly uploaded and backed up and stuff like that. And so, yeah, that's kind of a key component of it. And then you have people that are dying, people that are getting murdered, quote unquote, that are dying like true deaths because their little thing in the back of their head gets destroyed and they can't, you know, be resurrected. So it's really neat. And I highly recommend it. And it's got a lot of uh, nudity. So, there you go. The next thing we have, uh, Gray for Now Games has launched the Test of Honor website. Test of Honor was started over at Warlord Games. And now it's being produced by a company called um, Gray for Now. And uh, I, it's a game that I own, but have not gotten around to playing. I actually have my stuff put together and everything, because I love, you know, the idea of feudal Japan, skirmish, and whatever. And, yeah, Warlord didn't want to do it anymore, and uh, this other company has it, and uh, I think it looks really cool. I'm just going to toss it on here and see if you guys liked it. I can't say I recommend it, because I haven't played it, but 2nd Edition is coming out, and... Uh, 
And I'm actually looking to do a, uh, it's about time for another um, purge of Adam's stuff, and I don't think this one's going to make it to the chopping block. I really want to keep it and uh, see, see how it goes. So the last couple of things we have from Fantasy Flight, Armada's not dead, again. There is another campaign exp expansion, Rebellion in the Rim. So, and this was announced over at Adepticon. And uh, I'm just happy that, like, it's still going. Because everybody is like, is, is, Arm is Armada still around? Is it still around? Is it, is it going to get canceled? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? I think the big thing will be Gen Con this year. Uh, we really are hoping for a Clone Wars announcement at Gen Con. So... Which would make sense if we don't on the big fleet battles in space war. Yeah, so uh, I yeah I really think Clone Wars would be perfect for Armada, but I don't know. We'll have to see. But I'm just glad that it's still around. I do know the Super Star Destroyer has um, been delayed, although they are being kind of open about it about their the problems they're having. So. I, I think they my, my my local shop just ordered it for the model. What do you say? The problem is it's ten feet long. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah it is huge, and I think it's what two hundred bucks. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, something like that. I know I I think I would pay a hundred for it, and that's about it. We kill miniature mark. And um, last but certainly not least, also announced at Adepticon, the Clone Wars is coming to Star Wars Legion. Yay. So, I, I think it's going to be cool. Yeah. Um, I really, really do. I want, to, I want to do both sides. There are so many cool uh, vehicles and stuff in the Clone Wars. I think it works perfect. I love how, like, all the different clones have, you know, different abilities. I mean, I think it's way more fleshed out than, like, regular Star Wars is. Yeah. So I think it'll work it looks perfectly. Like the clones are going to be super tough, you know, tough attack and tough defense. The uh, the B1 battle droids are going to get a bunch of them, but they're going to be super crappy. So it'll be interesting to see how divergent the four factions are. They've so far they've done a pretty good job of keeping the factions balanced without making them the same. Obviously, that gets harder with four factions. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and every, everybody uh, comments like, oh yeah, Gungan army, here I come, and people are like, I'm still waiting for an Ewok army. <laughs> I swear, I would do, oh, I would do Ewoks. Yeah. It's loaded up. You would probably, you would have to have like a hundred of them versus like five Stormtroopers or something for it to be, five Stormtroopers and an ATST to to be even. I don't know, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, uh, I can't, I can't wait. I really, really want to do that. It's the kind of thing that, like, well, you know, I'll, I'll buy it, and I'll build them, and hopefully I can get a game in at some point, so. So, I see here in the picture so that the wheel droids, uh, have notched bases, so they're gonna have, like, a vehicular style of movement. Uh, I w I have talked to somebody about that, and apparently, um... They um, have a, what do you call it? Um, they'll have a vehicle mode and a um, an actual walking mode. Mm -hmm. So yep. they'll be like a transformer. Okay. Which is kind of cool. It could be like a, uh, in X-Wing, there's a lot of ships that have a card uh, that you flip over to show what sort of mode they're in. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do the same thing for those. So, of course, so. when they're in the wheel 
mode, they're probably like a movement two or three. And probably a, 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 what do they call it, mandatory movement or whatever as well. Oh, yeah. And then um, when they're when they're deployed, it's like a movement one, I would presume. Look at that Obi-Wan pose. Is that cool or what? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I continue to say, like, yeah, Legion should have launched with the Clone Wars, honestly, because there's just way more stuff. I, Grievous looks really cool, you know, in that. I actually have him for X-Wing. He came with my uh, Service of Strife uh, pack that I bought. And I'm still salty that the Sith Infiltrator costs the same as a Millennium Falcon in dollars. <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Cause all, it's about, they're all based on base size. I know, but it's about a third the size. <laughs> it just annoys me. Anyway. Did I see that Grievous is going to have uh, different poses also? He's going to come with some extra bits. Yeah, I think I heard that, too. Okay. That's right. cool. With, I wonder if he'll, yeah, starting, he gets a cough. Because um, um, I think Bosk and, uh, um, what's her name? Throwing a total oh. like the Mandalorian girl. Um, I think those are the first two they came out with have di- that are actually different weapons options and postable and stuff like that, but... Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that brings us to the uh, the end of the show. It was a nice show. I liked it. Had a lot of fun. We hope you did too. And we hope uh, Tom Walker is out there. He's out there right now eating dinner with his family, completely unsuspecting that he now won a copy of Brave Little Belgium. That is, unless he like lives in South Australia or something. Unless he actually lives in Belgium. Yes, in, yeah, I don't want to pay $125 to do it, to, to ship it over there, but, you know. But if he's willing to chip in, you know. But I don't take dollary dues. It has to be U.S. dollars, so. Anyway, so we hope you uh, enjoyed our show, and I guess we'll say good night. Good night, everyone. Goodbye. We'll see you next time. <laughs>